are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So Thaddeus is an individual who ended up being arrested, and he spent 11 and a half years in a federal prison for selling drugs. And, and now, today, Thaddeus will stand behind a pulpit, and he will share with people that there is hope in Jesus like he found in Jesus. Thaddeus serves on our staff, and he pastors a sister congregation in the community of Two Lakes. And, and it was right here, just on Monday night, that he was ordained. And he was, he was so excited that when the general superintendent had both of his hands on Thaddeus' head, ordaining him, and I was praying over him, Thaddeus was, was so filled with energy that he was coming up out of the altar. And the general superintendent was saying, stay down, man, we're trying to get you ordained. Stay on your knees. And so when Thaddeus finally did come up, he was so excited. He's hugging everybody. Uh, he's, he's interacting with the congregation because they're cheering and celebrating with him. And uh, it, it was just amazing. On Wednesday, I sat with a group of pastors that I work with, and Chris Holcomb says to me, I went home Monday night. My family all went to bed. And I began thinking about the church being the place where people experience through the work of the Holy Spirit and what Jesus made possible by giving His life on the cross, radical life transformation. Think about this. I mean, where else in the world can you change someone's heart, right? And Chris said, I realize this happens in the context of the church, in the church of Jesus Christ. People experience, I mean, their hearts are literally changed. And from the inside, they are made like a brand new person. Jesus called it being born again. You remember that? And so Thaddeus would tell you that not only was I invited into this life in Christ, in prison, and into a faith community. But he would tell you that also some people invested in me. And Thaddeus would tell you that is what made the difference. Thaddeus tells me often, I was saved in prison, Pastor, but I was also discipled in prison. And when Thaddeus got out of prison, and nothing was looking up, and he was living in a halfway house, and he was walking everywhere he went in the hot sun, and once in a while, he would score a bus voucher from somebody. And he's interviewing for jobs, and nobody's wanting to hire an ex-con. And in a filling station, a gas station parking lot, he met an old friend who said, Black, let me get you back in the game. Let me set you up. No, that's, you misunderstood. Let me get you back to selling drugs, that's what he meant. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Hang with me, Fred. <laughs> and Thaddeus said... No way. As hard as it is, I'm going to stay with Jesus. That's what gave him the stay in power. So let me, let, me, let me think with you a little bit, okay? It's not only that somebody invited him into this faith community and into this life in Christ, but they began to invest in him, okay? So think about the word invest with me, okay? 
Here's a good definition. To devote time or effort or money into something or someone with the expectation of a result. So it's, it's this idea that I'm going to devote my time, my effort, my money into something or someone, but I'm expecting there to be growth as a result, right? So we often think of financial investment. Think with me about investing not in something, but in someone. And if I begin to invest my time, my life, my energy, my effort, my money into you, is there the potential that I might see growth in your life? So now it's just going to get personal. I'm sorry. Not really. But it's going to get personal. Here's what I want to ask you. Who has invested in you? Now, I don't want you just to go, oh yeah, I get it, good question. No, I want, I want names. I want, in your thoughts this morning, I want you naming names. So it's Mother's Day. If I begin to list people who have invested in my life, I'm going to go to my mama. Because it was on my mama's lap that I first heard about Jesus. That I first heard the stories of the Scripture. I don't know how many prayers my mother has prayed for me, how my mother has encouraged me, how my mother has taught me, how my mother has stood beside me. And so if I go to other names, a moment ago you heard Dr. Johnson pray. He is one of the men who has invested a great deal in my life. And Doc, for every word of encouragement, for every prayer that you've prayed, for every conversation, for every meal that you bought me along the way, I, I am indebted. It's the words of Tom Oden in my heart. I wouldn't be me without you. And it's a true story. And so I want you to personalize that. And I want you to ask the question, so who is it that has invested in me over the years? I've got a list of people that have invested in my life. And now, we're going to take one step further down into this getting personal. You ready? Who are you making an investment in who are you encouraging who are you teaching who are you praying for who are you having those conversations with who are you walking along beside rick what why are you doing this because we have found ourselves in the book of acts chapter 11 and we're looking at this congregation of believers in the city of antioch now, last week we looked at a characteristic of the church and, and we realized that they just lived like this with open arms. And they did something that was earth-shaking, groundbreaking innovation that we had not seen before in the sharing of the gospel. They began to share the Word of God not just with Jews, but they began to share the Word with Gentiles also. So they're saying everybody can hear this good news about Jesus and everybody can be invited into this life in Christ and into this faith community. And so let me just remind you, I've got a map here. They were in Jerusalem. You remember, persecution is breaking out in the church. They say, if we're going to live, we've got to get out of Jerusalem. And so they begin to scatter. And wherever they went, they preached the gospel. Some went all the way up the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, the Entrez River over here you see, to Syria, to Antioch. And it was in Antioch that they begin to share the gospel with Gentiles as well as Jews. 
the whole makeup of the church changed. It was a strange mix of people, Jews, Gentiles, worshiping together. Now, I want you to make a middle note of what's happening here. This is Tarsus. And in a moment, we'll talk about Tarsus. If you're going to go to Tarsus, you could go by sea or you could go around by land. So you just kind of keep that in your mind. Here, here's, here's what it boils down to. And this is what we see in the church. And we've been asking ourselves, are we Antioch? And so if we're going to be Antioch, after we invite, after we invite, it's coming up on the screen, any moment here, we must invest. So let me take you to chapter 11, verse 22. Now you're going to want to pay attention. Because after the reading of the scripture, there will be a quiz. And we want to see what kind of retention you have. All right? So you're going to want to get every question right. Here we go. News of this, meaning this very unique congregation of both Jews and Gentiles, reached the church in Jerusalem. And so they sent Barnabas. Barnabas might be a clue. To Antioch. And when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad. He wasn't at all concerned that, I'm not for sure this is all okay. No, he was glad, and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. He was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people, both Jews and Gentiles, were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus, remember the map, to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Why did he bring him to Antioch? Because for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now, we've taken the words off the screen, and if you're looking at your Bible, you're going to look up at me. You ready? So question number one. I'll ask the question, and then my signal for the answer will be this. And that way you can all answer in unison, okay? Here we go. Wait for the signal. Who did the church in Jerusalem send to Antioch? Barnabas. That's right. Very good. Big shout out. Luke tells us that Barnabas was a good man. That he was full of the Holy Spirit and that he was full of faith. That's right. So, do you remember who Barnabas goes to Tarsus to look for and to bring back? That's right. And what were the disciples called at Antioch? Very good. How long did Barnabas and Saul teach the people of Antioch? Boy, you guys are fantastic listeners, I'm telling you. Suppose that uh, I said to you, you know, I'm, I'm your pastor, but I don't know you very well. I, I'd love to get to know you better. I'd love to spend some time to with you. And um, I like to play golf, so I'd like to invite you to go play golf with me. And what if you said to me, well, Pastor Rick, um, I've never played golf before. And I said, well, it, it's up to you. I just thought maybe we could spend some time, get to know each other. If you want to maybe... Find a friend that owns clubs. Maybe you can borrow theirs and come and play golf. And so you think, well, 
I don't know how to play golf. I've never played golf before, but I do have a friend that has clubs. And so you go get the clubs and you show up at the golf course. We go in the clubhouse. We pay for our golf. We find ourselves on the first tee. And you say to me, you know, I've never played golf before, right? I don't know how to hold a club. I've never held a golf club. I don't even know which one of these clubs in this bag of clubs that I should use. I don't even know which direction I should hit the ball, where I to make contact with it. And, and what if I said to you, hey, look here. You've come to play golf, so play golf. But you protested and said, but Pastor Rick, you don't understand. I, I don't know what to do. And what if I said to you, well, there's a lot of other people out here playing golf. Maybe you could pick something up by watching them. I think the point's kind of clear, isn't it? To a new believer, do we give them the instructions they need? Or or do we often have the attitude, well, there's a lot of people living the Christian life, just watch them. No, what I really ought to do is say to you, well, this is called an interlocking grip and this is... How you hold the club and the fairways down there, you want to hit it that way. And this is kind of the way you take the club back. And I'm not a golf instructor, but I could show you at least what I know. So I think before we move on, we have to deal with this question, this last statement, this Christian comment that's made about these believers who are in the city of Antioch. It's, it's like something they've never seen before. You've got Jews and you've got Gentiles and they're worshiping together and they're slaves and there's masters in the early church. There's rich people and there's poor people and not only do they worship together, but they sit down and they eat at a common table, a common meal together and everybody is watching on, kind of scratching their heads going, I don't even know what to think about that bunch over there. And in fact, one of the questions I had was, what would you even call them? And you know what they called them? Christians. Let, let's talk about it. Who, who called them Christians? Was it the Jews? Absolutely not. The Jews would have never called them Christians, and here's why. Christos is the Greek word translated from the Hebrew, Messiah. Word for Messiah. And, and so they would, they would never say that these followers of Jesus are followers of the Messiah because the Jews did not believe Jesus was the Messiah. Well, was it Jesus? Did Jesus call them Christians? No, we have no record of that. Here's what Jesus called believers. He either called them brothers or he called them disciples. But we have no record of Jesus ever referring to them as Christians. Did the believers, did they call themselves Christians? Absolutely not. They called one another brothers, they called one another disciples, and they called one another saints. But it wasn't until the second century that believers began to refer to themselves as Christians. It was actually the non-Christians. It was the people looking on. And they said, look at this strange mix of people that follow the life and the teachings of this man Jesus, who they believe is the Christ, their Messiah. And so... Here's how we end up with the word, okay? Christian is really two parts. Christ, from the Greek word Christos, a translation from Messiah. And Ianos indicates followers of. So a Christian is a follower of Christ. 
Now lean in. What does Jesus do? He picks 12 men. And for three years, he invests in 12 men. He teaches them how to pray. He explains the scripture to them. He talks to them about how to live the Christian life. He tells them things like, if you want to be first, get in the back of the line. If you want to become great, become a servant. And for three years, he invests in these men. And then here's what he says. Now, I want you to go and make disciples. In other words, I want you to do what I've done. Just like I've been investing in you, now I want you to go invest in others. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And so this might be the question of the hour, okay? Will anyone ever call you a Christian because of the way that you invest in others? Will anybody ever look at your life and say, you know, when I see you, when I see you speaking into that person's life, you know who it reminds me of? It reminds me of Jesus. When I see you helping others along the way in their Christian journey, you know who I think about? I think about Jesus. When I see the way that you live your life, you make me think that you're a Christian. Because you live your life investing in other people. So just this past week, I heard a a young woman, and I would have to guess her age. I would say she's under 30. Um, A group of our churches here in Oklahoma assembled together for our annual gathering. She's a pastor's daughter. She stood right here where I'm standing, behind this podium, and she shared her story. Pieces of paper in her hand and a little bit shaky. On this side of her stood her mother, and on this side stood her father. And she said, I grew up going to church, but as I became a teenager, I decided that following God was not important to me. What was more important to me was doing what I wanted to do. And she talked about alcohol abuse in her teenage and college years which turned into drug abuse in her college years. And she talked about how she finally came to this place that she admitted to herself that she was an addict, addicted to drugs. She talked about having to call her parents and saying to them, I'm expecting a baby. And I know in my heart that I'm in no position to raise a child. And she talked about both the joy and the pain of handing her little baby to a family, a Christian family, and saying, would you raise my son because I know I'm not capable. But she also told a part of the story that said, one day I just came to the end of myself. And I turned to Jesus. And He has changed me. And he is helping me overcome this addiction. And so standing here, just just a few days ago, 
She said, I knew I could not turn back to my old friend group. Because I'm, I'm trying to overcome an addiction. I, I can't deal with that kind of temptation in my life. And I, and I knew I couldn't go back to my old friend group. And so I had to make new friends. And so I found some friends in my church. And she said, in fact, they're here tonight to support me. They're sitting right over here. And they're all women and they're all in their 70s. She said, my best friends are this group of women in my 70s. And they are pouring into my life. And they are praying for me and they're encouraging me. And they're walking with me. And before they walked away, the mom who was standing beside her said, Can I just say something? Can I say to this group of ladies from the heart of a mama, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing for my girl. That, that's what we see happening in Antioch. You, you may be sitting there saying, Pastor, what does it mean to invest? So let's just ask the question, what did it look like for Barnabas and for Saul to invest? And, and it's really simple. Two things that I see. One, they encouraged them. And two, they taught them. Now, in the first place, his name was not Barnabas, all right? His name is Joseph. His mama did not name him Barnabas. She named him Joseph. You say, well, then why do they refer to him as Barnabas? It's a nickname. Well, who gave him the nickname? The apostles. Well, why did the apostles give Joseph a nickname Barnabas? Because in Acts chapter 4 you read that he had this field and he sells the field and he brings the money and he lays it at the apostles' feet and he says, can we somehow help the poor? And because of acts like that over and over again, the apostles finally said, let's give him a nickname. Let's just call him Barnabas. Do you know what Barnabas means? Son of consolation or son of encouragement. He's such an encourager. Let's just give him a nickname, Encourager. And so Barnabas lived up to his name when he gets to Antioch because here's what Luke writes about him. He encouraged them, right, to remain true to their faith. I think about this idea of encouragement. The Greek word is parakaleo. And it could be translated just as easily to exhort someone, to urge somebody. Come on, stay true to the Lord. You've got to stay on track. You're doing good. Let me just encourage you that you're doing well and I want you to keep, you know, on this path that you're on. Just stay true to the Lord. When I think about this being Mother's Day and my mama encouraging me, I went away to college. And boy, I was, I love dating. I, I remember when I got to that campus, I just looked around and said, God, you are so good, you know. <laughs> And, and I would take those girls home, and, uh, and my mama would look me in the eye, and she would say, Ricky, you have a calling on your life. Young man, you better be careful. Stay true to the Lord. And, and that was Barnabas' role. He just encouraged them. Somebody gave me a book recently. Handed it to me. It's called Hero Maker. I've only read a handful of pages to this point. Just, just Friday afternoon, I had a few minutes and just thought, what's this about? And a few pages in, I've got the premise of the book. I understand where he's going. And here's the question 
that He challenges you to struggle with? Are you living your life striving to be the hero? Or are you living your life striving to be the hero maker? (laughs) Just let that soak in a little bit, okay? Are you striving to be the hero? Or are you striving to be a hero maker? Really, it's a question of, are you all about investing in somebody else? And, and that's what we see in Saul and Barnabas. So we, we, we could say to these guys, hey, guys, wait, wait a minute. We have read the rest of the book. We're from the future. We know what happens. You guys become great missionaries. And you go all over sharing the gospel of Jesus. And the reason the gospel of Jesus has spread throughout the world is because you guys are heroes. So get busy. And they're going to say, "Uh uh-uh. We're not going anywhere. What do you mean you're not going anywhere? You understand the whole Christian faith rests on what you're going to do. No, we're staying right here. We're staying here for a year. And we're going to teach these people. Many of them are Gentiles. They don't even know the Scriptures. We can't leave. We're investing in these people right here for one year. We're just going to stay. And we're going to teach. I love that Barnabas realizes I need some help teaching. And he goes and he gets Saul in Tarsus and he brings him back and they just dedicate a year of their lives right there. You, you understand, in, in the book, in the New Testament, we, we, we truly get different words for preaching and teaching. Do you understand that? So we see the word kerygma, which means to preach. So, so that's really more about inviting That's inviting people into this life in Christ and into this community of faith. But when we read words like teach that we read in the text this morning, that's not the word that we find. And it's not pronounced didache, by the way. It's didache. And and that word, when it appears, we translate it teach. And that's more about investing. And so after we invite somebody into the faith community, then we've got to invest. So let me, let me wrap up. Thanks for not saying amen. Um, I, I heard a minister recently share that it wasn't until his last church that he pastored that he did this. So here's what he said happened. He said, I had this young man who was not raised in a Christian home, and he became a Christian in the church that I was pastoring, and he came to me and he said, would you be willing to meet with me and teach me how to live a Christian life? I I don't know which club in the bag to choose. I don't know which direction to hit it. I don't know how to hold one. I've never done this before. And and that minister said, yes, I'll meet with you every week. And he said, then there was a second man not long after that who was going into the ministry. And he came to me and he said, Pastor, would you be willing 
to meet with me every week and, and kind of teach me how to be a pastor. And he said, yes. And then he said, a third man, third young man came to me and asked me if I would disciple him. And he said, all of my years in ministry, but it wasn't until the last few years that I actually did this one-on-one investing. So that's one way to do it. It's a good way. And I'm looking at many people who would say, oh, I don't know if I could do that. You know? I mean, you could teach them what you know. One of the ways that I do it in my life every week is that I participate in a group. And in the group life, it's more like we're sharing with each other what we've learned. We're praying for one another. We're walking with each other. We're encouraging one another. And, and it's more like, well, well, what are you learning? And, and then I'll, I'll share with you what I'm learning. And, and I'll pray for you and you pray for me. We'll walk together in this journey. And so my friend Jeffrey is here today, Dr. Talmadge's son that you met a moment ago, and you hear a lot about Jeffrey. But if I had to tell you that there is one person who has been more influential in my walk with God than anybody else in the world, I would have to say it's Jeffrey. And, and that's been more of a relationship of investing in each other. Does that make sense? Here's what he's learning. Here's what I'm learning. I'm praying for him. He's praying for me. Now, I would tell you it's lopsided. Jeffrey's invested a lot more in me than I've invested in him. But that's another way to disciple. And I think both ways are very effective. And so my challenge to you today, if you're not in some kind of group life, you may say, Rick, I don't even feel like I need it. That's not what it's about. There's somebody in the group who needs you. We've become so individualistic that it's all about what do I want? What do I think I need? What do I think would be good for me? Well, just quit thinking that way. And think about who you might invest in. And who needs your conversation and your encouragement and your support. And so if you'd love to be a part of a group today, like Dan said, there's a connect card under your armrest. You can fill it out and drop it in the box as you leave today and say, Pastor Dan, help me find a group. I would love to do that. I need to do that. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for what we're learning from this church in Antioch. And help us, Father, to ask ourselves sincerely, are we Antioch and help us to ask ourselves as individuals am I like the people of Antioch and I pray this in Jesus name Amen You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene visit us online at bethanynaz.org